Hi, this is Big Talk. Michael Glab here. My guest this week, the chair of the Monroe County Democratic Party, and yet another one of those Bloomingtonians who does everything. Look, 24 hours are not enough in the day for these people, and he's one of them. His name is David Henry. David, thanks for being on Big Talk. Michael, thank you for having me. Bloomington's Democratic Party is pretty much Bloomington's party because Bloomington itself is this island of Democratic Party nest within the greater ocean of Indiana that is the Republican. Must be a challenge. I think in a lot of ways, being the uh, chair of our party here uh, is, is both uh, the hardest job you can have in county politics in Indiana as well as the easiest. I have peers in other counties that would say, look, you have elected officials up and down the ballot, uh, the entire of, the, of your city council, the mayor's office, the clerk's offices. You know, you've kind of done it all here as a community. And on the other side of that, we also have a full city council and the mayor and the clerk's office and a lot of Democrats that have different opinions about the uh, path our community is moving. All these Democrats who are on the city council say they almost form little sub-parties, little sub-blocks. Uh, it is an observation among those that follow our local politics closely that we may have, as you say, kind of mini parties or sub blocks. Um, I do think, in a bigger picture, uh, and this is my view as chair, that it's uh, sometimes a cheap economy to create sort of hyphenated Democrats in the community. Uh. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, I would take any Bloomington Democrat, any Monroe County Democrat, any day, um, when facing what an actual conservative opposition looks like in the state of Indiana, uh, to to call someone a conservative Democrat in Monroe County is to not really know what conservatives are. In this blueberry, no this blueberry and the tomato soup that you described as we got going here, that we, we are a very blue spot in a very red space. There is rhetoric thrown around that makes you think that uh, Barry Goldwater has come <laughs> back to life uh, in the Bloomington City Council, and man. That ain't so. Yeah, it is a perspective uh, piece, and it is a. I think it depends on where you sit in those conversations. But again, I, I do think that if you were to sit down with every elected Democrat we have in the community, identify those core values of what distinguishes us from a Republican or independent voice in our state, that we do have a lot more in common than the things that separate us on the issues in our community. Let's get to some of the, shall we say, the resume of one David Henry. He not only is the chair of the Monroe County Democratic Party, he's a government consultant. He's also an adjunct instructor at Indiana University's O'Neill School of Public and Environmental Affairs. He teaches a couple of interesting courses I see here, Homeland Security Policy and Practice. Yeah. Who needs to know that? All sorts of people. You know, and it, it's a bit of a, how I got on, into that field is a bit of how I ended up in Bloomington. Huh. Um, yeah, about 2002, I'd moved to Bloomington like a lot of people do to study at IU. Huh. Um, I had, uh, a, yeah, at the same time, if folks remember their history, uh, you know, we had September 11th, 2001 in that time period. And then a few years later, uh, the catastrophic hurricane in New Orleans, Hurricane Katrina. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, it seemed like something was going on in the public management space 
that, that was a little more interesting to me than studying public finance and budgeting at the time. And so, Homeland yeah, Security yeah. hadn't even existed. It, it wasn't a thought. Yeah. yeah. And so here I am entering the job market, newly minted Master of Public Affairs out of IU. And I thought, you know, I kind of want to work in this management space. Huh. There's this huge public policy question we're trying to answer. How much security do we need after uh, terrorism of that era or in the sense of a, a huge catastrophe where a major city is almost lost yeah. to natural catastrophe? Um, that was a, it was a challenging field to get into. So I, I pivoted out of that study and right into a field that was being built as it was taking off and, and had a front row seat for many of the policies that were developed over the first few years of that uh, decade as we were getting into a homeland security world, um, which is the 21st century for America. Uh, a very different place. And even, what was it, last week, week before last, there were those devastating fires in Maui. Yes. A small town was almost destroyed. And even today, this time, that disaster, people are talking about how the emergency management either failed mm -hmm. or succeeded or how it could be better and this department wasn't speaking with that department. Mm -hmm. It's still a work in process. It is still a work in process. And when we think about, yeah, we can talk about Maui. We can talk about right now in Florida with uh, Hurricane Idalia that's tracing up the coast right now. That's right. That um, what we've learned in 20 years of this space is, uh, is something that intersects well with democratic politics. It's not just about cleaning up debris and turning on the electricity grid again and getting people back to normal. It's about all the equity that occurs in disasters. Uh. Poorer communities that have a disaster disaster, are, those, those, those poverty issues, those economic issues are exacerbated in crisis. If you can't afford food every day of the week, how are you going to do 72 hours worth of food at home? Right. And so you're seeing, especially in the Biden administration, a pivot toward uh, equity, inclusion, and resilience planning in emergency management and homeland security that we have we've not experienced before. So it's an interesting field to teach at IU. It's an interesting field to consult in and to try to get ahead of the next disasters, whether they're climate-driven or the contemporary terrorism events in our country, like white nationalist extremism on the march, and uh, keep students coming. I've been teaching it for over eight and a half years, and it's a joy. Well, when you consider tens of thousands of people, maybe hundreds of thousands of people in Florida, when that storm was approaching, the governor says, get the heck out of the way. Well, if you haven't got any money, where are you going? Don't have a mon money, don't have a car, don't have a, 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 a means to uh, move if you are, have ambulatory issues or health issues. Yeah. And so not everyone evacuates the same way. Not everybody can take a week off of work. Not every business can close for a week. A lot of businesses are on a two-week budget, right? If you're not making money, you're closing your shop. Right. And there are a lot of considerations to take into effect. So I, I know that wasn't quite what we're going to talk about today, but I'll say this. Watch the politics in the next few days. Uh, you will have a Democratic president being asked to provide assistance to a state where the governor is running for the president's job, and there will be interesting photo ops all over the Tampa Bay area between Ron DeSantis and Joe Biden. You watch that and see well, what is those it, look like. Isn't that funny? Because yeah. uh, I recall a major storm hitting New Jersey when Chris Christie was the governor, yes. <laughs> and he either shook Barack Obama's hand or hugged him. And he was pilloried for, yes. for that. The president was coming to, to offer a helping hand. Yeah, and that was uh, the case on the resume we didn't talk about yet. But when I was in Washington, I worked for the National Governors Association, which is the membership body of all the state governors, Republican and Democrat. Chris, I ostensibly worked for Chris Christie then, uh, helping his staff on Hurricane Sandy at the time. And yeah, it, it, Christie was being seen as a potential candidate for president even back then. Yep. And those photos on the beach with uh, Governor Christie giving the big bear hug to Barack Obama was 
known as the bromance in the uh, D DC uh, <laughs> chattering class. And uh, for some Republicans, it was a little too much to bear to see uh, Barack Obama uh, being a buddy of a Republican governor. But those that's politics. Everything's politics. That's why I'm in this. That's why it's fun to do. <laughs> fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go over some of the other things. You mentioned uh, that you were a senior policy analyst for the National Governors Association. You've also been a senior mission advocate for the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Mm -hmm. You have been a commissioner for the Monroe County Affordable Housing Advisory Committee, mm -hmm. which doesn't exist anymore. It was decommissioned, if you will, by the commissioners about a year ago um, as, uh, as we're wrestling with the very difficult issue of affordability in our community for housing as well as housing uh, those experiencing homelessness. But yeah, that's an evolving issue. Uh, but I was involved with that for a bit. You have been public health emergency coordinator for the Monroe County Health Department. Mm -hmm. You were just elected the to-be president of the Rotary. Yeah, you know, so the we have three Rotary clubs in the community. I, I am a civic-minded guy, and I think if we're getting anything after this yeah, very flattering review of my, of my resume, is that, yeah, I like to lean in on our community. Um, I, I grew up in Rotary clubs. My mom was a Rotary club president as a kid, one of the first women to be a Rotary club president in the country. Aha, uh -huh, yeah, because yeah, there was a time when Nin it was male only. 1988, a Supreme Court decision integrated Rotary clubs, and my mom was a club president a year later in Ohio. Wow. Um, and so I, I grew up in that, that civic-minded bubble. And, and really, that's one of the ways I ended up in a lot of this was just the idea of people getting together, doing good works in communities. And so, yeah, I, I'm now, you know, what is that? Uh, I want to say 30-odd years later, almost 40 years later, um, going to be a club president myself pretty soon. So <laughs> that's pretty fun. That's pretty fun. Speaking of presidencies, you are the president of the Monroe County Board of Elections. That's right. Uh, how does that work? You've got skin in the game. Yeah, it, it is a little uncommon here in Monroe County, but uh, very common in other Indiana counties where party chairs do end up chairing um, the local election board. It's uh, it's something that happens. Uh, in our case, we had a unique circumstance. Um, our previous election board president, Shruti Rana, had filed to run for the uh, 5th District Lumington's Common Council. Right. And so she could couldn't be chair of the body and presiding over an election that she was in. And that happened around Christmas. And I thought, gosh, you know, we have so many wonderful Democratic volunteers that signed up for campaigns. Um, you know, so it's not just the people that ran for office in the primary here, but it's the dozens of people that work on those campaigns. And so when you look around and say, gosh, the first 300 Democrats I'd want to call to be on the election board are busy <laughs> working campaigns now, um, you know, it kind of left me with the short stick. I didn't really feel like, um, you know, I could really uh, ask somebody to preside over that election uh, cycle while they're you know potentially a candidate or working for a candidate they really wanted to see get elected so um, it's a temporary duty I, I don't expect to be on that board very long I'm gonna put you on record yeah. right now I'm gonna say do you promise the voters of Bloomington and Monroe County that you will not screw around with this election? No, absolutely. I think we're doing a great transparent job from the board. Uh, the Republican Party has appointed uh, the former judge, uh, Judy, Judith Menkart, as their representative. So I have a, a, lawyer, a lawyer and a judge up there with me. Of course, uh, Clerk Brown's stewardship of our elections has been unimpeachable over her two and a half terms now as she's been in office. And I think that um, you know, we will have, as we have had in Bloomington, transparent, open, and efficient elections by a great staff that really know what they're doing. In addition to all this important stuff that you have been doing and continue to do here in Bloomington and Monroe County, you have even been 
a baritone ah. for the Bloomington <laughs> Chamber Singers. Wow, your folks did their work today. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, in, yeah. in the Homeland Security world, you've done your research. Uh, <laughs> so I would say, yeah, I, I did. I, I, interestingly enough, uh, the one thing I enjoyed the most in Washington, D.C. was actually singing. I was in a course at the Kennedy Center for 50 concerts over wow. seven years. Yeah, I That's did. neat. The Kennedy Center Honors sang for two presidents. And when I moved back here, I kind of wanted to keep up with it. But you know, family gets in the way sometimes. I, my wife and I have three boys now. I, after 10 years of being back in the community. And the singing is going to have to wait a little longer. But I did do one last concert when I moved back with Jerry Souza's group, and, and they're wonderful performers. Uh, <laughs> some of the hardest music I've ever done, and I've, I've sang for presidents. So, <laughs> We again are with David Henry, who's the chair of the Monroe County Democratic Party. A few years ago on this program, Big Talk, we had on Mark Fraley and William Ellis at the same time. Mark was at the time the chair of the Democratic Party here. William was at the time the chair of the Republican Party. And you know what? They told me they were friendly with each other. Yes. They told me they liked each other. Yes. Which I can't believe in this day and age when we're supposed to hate each other. <laughs> now, I ask you, have you had an, an opportunity to set up a relationship with your counterpart, Taylor Bryant? Um, yes and no. Uh, Taylor and I do talk uh, when we need to on things that really cross paths. For example, both of us have been communicating about the election board's recent decision to investigate creating vote centers in Monroe County. A vote center is where any polling location in the county, any registered voter in the county can vote at. You don't have to get home to your precinct to do uh -huh. that. And a lot of counties in the state of Indiana use that model. Uh, 60 counties out of 92 use that model. And so Taylor and I have been very uh, collegial and working on a path to get that done for Monroe County. Uh, we last tried this about 12 years ago, didn't quite work out um, then. But I think we have leadership in both parties that are open to revisiting ideas from previous leaders. So yeah, we do talk. On the other end, we have to say it uh, today and make sure we, we understand some dynamics here. I mean, you did reference that, yeah, I'm a, a adjunct lecturer at IU's O'Neill School. Taylor is a second year student at uh -oh. <laughs> O'Neill uh, as a law and public policy major. And uh, yeah, I've often joked that there's a non-zero chance that she may be in one of my classes someday. <laughs> so yeah, there's some interesting dynamics there, uh, but I look forward to that day. I mean, we I, I, there's nothing a, a prof loves more than a student that's participating in class. So uh, there are some interesting uh, balances there. But no, we, we have a, you know, we have a good working rapport where we need it uh, on the issues that really matter to make sure you know elections are delivered the right way and and the, uh, the things where the parties can intersect. It, it's a little rare in Monroe County where the two parties intersect, but when they do, um, she'll always pick up the phone. As the chair, a party chair in this county, do you ever have to go out and recruit candidates? Uh, yes, actually we do. Um, and so I think sometimes we focus on the bigger names in the community, our county council and commissioners, our city, our common council in Bloomington and the mayor's office. But you know, we do have township boards and, and seats in the county um, and recruiting for those is sometimes challenging. Uh, the farther you get from the, the, the dark blue spot in, in Monroe County, Bloomington, uh, when you get out to Indian Creek, Salt Creek, uh, mm -hmm. Benton Townships, uh, we do have some competitive elections. And so we do recruit for those. I, I, I live in Van Buren Township. I 
actually live outside city limits. Um, uh, Will Smith is my one Democrat on the board out there. Uh, we have a Republican majority out there. So yeah, there is some recruiting that goes on still. Also, uh, for those state representative seats that are gerrymandered, you know, our county is cut into no fewer than four state representative seats. Yes. Matt Pierce is, of course, a longtime representative downtown in Bloomington in the 61st, but recruiting for the south side of Monroe County, the 62nd, the 46th, which is Ellettsville, and the 60th, which is Washington Township. Uh, yeah, we do some recruiting. We have to find some candidates for 24. Now, let's say I'm thinking about running for the state house, and I find out that you went and recruited uh, Joe Smith for that very race. Mm -hmm. But I want to run against him in the primary. Sure. You know what I'm going to say? He's your favorite. Yeah, there's the favorite picking, and that, that kind of happens, uh, at least from perception. But here's the reality. Uh, a good party chair should lay out what someone needs, the, the structural steps to get from looking in the mirror and saying, I'm the next representative, to actually becoming a candidate for consideration. Here in Monroe County, our party has a long stance of staying neutral in primaries. And so I've taken that mission or mandate from folks like Mark Fraley and Jen Crossley and my predecessors to encourage people to run, but also be honest that, yeah, the party doesn't put a thumb on the scale. We produce a candidate guide equally for all people interested in running. If they need a contact or trying to reach one of our you know, uh, elder states people, like if, uh, if they want to talk with Charlotte Zitlow, our mutual friend, or Senator Yoder, our mutual friend, we, we can help arrange that, right? But it's not you know my pick or my thumb on the scale. And that's really important when you think about when we do have our supermajority races, when we've just decided a primary in our community where we had three great Democrats running against each other for mayor mm. to keep the lanes clean and allow them to make their case to voters and, and the party is there in a support role, uh, which we were. If anything, that's one of my proudest achievements as chair is keeping that primary pretty clean. We got through it without a whole lot of controversy, which is saying a lot in the past 12 or so years in our community. Some less than complimentary things were thrown around toward the end of the campaign. Sure. That's going to happen no matter what. People want to win. I assume you voted in May during the primary. Soon to be annexed member of uh, Bloomington's community. I did not have a stake in this election. So that I lived out right. in the township. I, I was not a uh, voter in this election in May. But when there is a real race that would be part of your living area, and you vote, you got to keep that secret. You can't go around and say, I like so-and-so. That's true. That's true. And I think that um, if you were to ask five people on the street who I voted for in the 2022 cycle, um, I'd be surprised if you get the same answer. And I, that's the way I want to keep it. That vote's pretty secret, Michael. So I'm going to keep Do it Do they that way. even know? I don't, the, they, they, the they, they, the candidates? No, no. I mean, and, and that's only fair to the other candidates. We had some yeah. very interesting races in that 2022 primary. Four people running for court, circuit court judge. Uh -huh. Two people running for the 62nd, uh, a sitting sheriff and a sitting commissioner. And yeah, very important to keep neutral on that. Very important. What is the party chair and what does the party chair do most importantly? Yeah, that's really important, uh, I think, to know um, I, because I think some people have a maybe a different idea of what a party chair or party leadership is. But the brass tacks, the bylaws of the state party are pretty clear. Chair, A chair's job is to recruit candidates to run for office, to mobilize voters and help with get voter registration, get out the voters, and to really work with our candidates to get them ready and prepared to run. That is it. I mean, there's fundraising activities. There could be advocacy. There could be um, some other avenues that chairs pursue as part of a 
the portfolio, but really good shares should be pretty maybe known, but not really known well. You know, I mean, I have a lot of candidates in the community that have a bigger message to get out. They're running for office to help affect change in the city and the county and the state. Their message is the one that should be heard. But in times like this, where we're at the tail end of an election cycle and getting ready for a new one, I, yeah, I'm always happy to talk about the party and what we're up to. But, you know, I hope the next time you have a Democrat sitting in this chair, it's a candidate for office who's telling a story about uh, what they want to do for our community. Uh, so it's, it's, I think of it like stage direction, right? You get the behind the scenes, you get, you know how the stage is put together, you know how the play is put together, the production, uh, but the, the players on stage are your candidates. Um, I don't think the chair should ever be the lead of that show, uh, but should definitely be the support role or the stage manager making sure everything goes right. In Bloomington, as we know, it's a one-party town, for mm -hmm. gosh sakes. How do you keep the troops activated, inspired, yeah. willing to get up off the couch? Yeah, it is a, um, it is a challenge, and it's also easy in some ways. We have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to advocacy groups and caucuses and organizations that are active in all sorts of policy areas. If you want to get into reproductive justice rights, there's half a dozen organizations that are fighting for those rights at the state house. There are people in our community, if you were engaged in the questions about affordability and housing affordability and homelessness, uh, there are organizations working in those spaces, climate organizations working in those spaces. In other counties, rural counties in Indiana. The Democratic Party is the only organization trying to capture all of that activity. Hmm. Here, you throw a stone and you'll find experts in these spaces and people attracted to do single issue advocacy. Moms demand action, the gun sense uh, legislation mm -hmm. people wanna see. So in some ways, you know, that makes my job easier because all those groups are amplifying issues and getting voters interested in voting. Uh, the mobilization is in some ways um, diffuse or dispersed, but the brass tacks of voter registration and getting out the vote are often the campaigns and candidates attracting people to go do that work and go vote for them. And so a lot of it is, uh, being very good at delegation and not saying that I, it, all the burden falls on the chair to solve all the problems. It is maybe a luxury I have that my counterpart on the right does not because on the Republican side in our community, you know, they hold the, the monthly luncheon. Pick a, pick a day on the calendar in Monroe County, you'll find some Democratic or progressive group talking politics in this community. So I have a very diffused and delegated role in just trying to make sure everything is moving in a direction. Uh, the analogy I often use is that, you know, we're all marching the parade in the same direction. It might be on different streets, but as long <laughs> as we're all heading the same direction, hopefully toward Indianapolis and solving some problems, we're doing our part. Well, that's an interesting parade that is held on different streets. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's pointing left, I'm good. <laughs> what if there was a Republican candidate for mayor? And then Carrie Thompson, who is the Democratic candidate for mayor, what if she says, you know, party chair, I have been talking about uh, issue X, mm -hmm. and it ain't working. What should I do? Are you there for that? Oh, yeah. I think when we get through the primary and our community of Democrats has spoken and have given us our slate, uh, the coordination between campaign and party, um, yeah, that's where that starts. And depending on the candidate, depending on their message and how they work, uh, the party starts syncing up a little bit. And so, yeah, I, I've been a resource to our, our mayor presumptive, Carrie Thompson, and uh, council candidates to talk through what the future is going to look like. Now, in your scenario of if we had opposition in that space, um, that I think 
think is a good example of what we talked about at the front end of the show, which is while there are some um, micro variations and hyphenated Democrats, some people in the community, that is a closing rank activity, right? When you have the, a, an actual opposition that would want to create whatever a Republican version of our community would look like, the, that contrast is real, and I think you would see Democratic voters lockstep pretty quickly. We just haven't had that type of opposition since Kirk White and John Fernandez ran about mm. uh, about 15 or 18 years ago now at this no it's actually almost 20 years ago at this point yeah I think, yeah, I think late nine late 90s yeah yeah um, after Tommy yeah after Tommy yeah that was a very close race but the last real close race we saw um, it, with that kind of opposition interestingly enough uh, you mentioned Charlotte Zitlow back in 1971 she and Frank McCloskey mm -hmm. uh, they the these these punk kids yes this uh, ragtag crew ran against the entrenched Republicans. In fact, I think the entire city council was Republican. Mm -hmm. There was a Republican mayor. This was a Republican town, which was not unusual for a college town. But next thing you know, flip. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and I think that era is interesting. I, uh, I Maybe it's because I'm an older soul. Um, I spend some time with our community history. It gives me a sense of place and how I fit in this place I now call home for over, almost 20 years now. And I think the lessons learned from Charlotte's time, and as I've talked with her about those lessons, are that we have to be pragmatic. And I'm, if anything, a pragmatic chair. If things work, we can stay with it. If they don't work, we're done doing it. If it ain't broke. Uh, that's exactly right. And so for us, you know, Charlotte's playbook still works in a lot of ways. Uh, this is a community that values interpersonal communications, face-to-face -face conversations, a sense that you're being heard, mm. an authenticity. And those are things that if you know, real students of history on our local politics understand what Frank McCloskey and Charlotte Zitlow did was they, they closed an authenticity gap and were real people with real issues in their community running and telling everybody about it. A lot of doors knocked. Mm -hmm. And if you want to know if that's successful, ask Carrie Thompson. Her team knocked over 15,000 doors. Right. She herself knocked thousands of doors. And so we know that playbook still works 50 years on. Other stuff doesn't work as well anymore. The Herald Times, you know, is, a, is an interesting situation. You know, uh, if you're going to take out a full page ad in a print edition paper, you're going to reach some voters, but people are on digital now. Is it worth yeah. it? It, it? The digital or the paper? The paper. Yeah, you got to make, you got to figure out some, some plans here about how you're going to get your message out. Yeah. So Kerry and Donald's campaigns both had a lot of digital. You could see them on your Comcast. You could see them on YouTube and they were cutting commercials alongside digital content. That's new. That wasn't part of Charlotte or Frank's day, but that's the pragmatism piece. What works, keep it. New stuff, take it. Use that stuff to move forward. And that's what parties do best. Uh, learn and grow and pass that knowledge on to the next candidate for the next campaign and see if they can pull it off too. Let's go General David Henry, chair sure. of the Monroe County Democratic Party. Yep. What does the Democratic Party stand for? At this national level, this is a party that cares about people. And I think at the end of the day, is a, has a very long tradition of what that means as a party of the people looking well beyond just your own front door, but the care for your neighbors. Uh, in our community, we have a very heightened sense of what that means, right? It's the care for the marginalized. It is the care for our LGBTQIA plus community. It is the care for women's rights and people that have uteruses to make sure that their rights are protected. So our, I think there's an empathy that our party has that we offer that keeps, that has local voters keeping or keep putting us back into office. Uh, that, that is, is a core of that. Now, there is a national platform. You know, we, we do still have platforms. Mm -hmm. uh, people may not read them, but there's some good stuff in there. And I think if people re really did look at, well, what does a Democrat stand for? Uh, if you look at um, the state party, we have a state platform. Locally, we don't have a local platform. It's kind of an interesting debate. 
um, because I think in a lot of ways we have a lot of diversity in our Democratic Party. But ultimately, I think those core values of the, of the true party of the people, concerned about working people, concerned about the marginalized, concerned about the economically challenged, uh, and the idea that government has a role in that, that there is a last resort here. Our guest this week has been David Henry, the chair of the Monroe County Democratic Party, also a government consultant, also a teacher at Indiana University SPIA, the O'Neill School of Public and Environmental Affairs. David Henry, thanks for joining us on Big Talk. Thank you, Michael. I feel like we're going to do this again soon, and I look forward to it. Mm -hmm.